0: Reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. I got to start by reading you something um, that came home in my son's school bag this week. Um, I didn't really get the details. I'm assuming they were supposed to write about um, the best part of them. Is that, do you know? Is that what? Okay, so this is what jo- Jonah writes about the best part of him. The best part of me is my feet. I love my feet because they help me to serve the Lord. I like to walk to spread the word of God. I like to dance for the Lord. I like to play sports to win for God. I like to pick up trash to keep God's world nice and clean. I love to use my feet to praise the Lord Jesus. My feet are a blessing from God. When you see something like that, you know, I put that, you got an applause, I wish he would heard that. Um, I don't put that out there just because it's cute. When I read that, I thought, when was the last time I was thankful for something like, thank you God for my feet? You know, right? That is awesome, that is so awesome. You see why Jesus says, it's such as these Get the are those that enter the kingdom of God when you're thankful for your feet, you're ready for entry into the kingdom of God right gotta love that okay now I'm gonna do one more fun thing it's I think it's been a couple of weeks since I told a story about my amazing wife, so uh we're gonna <laughs> have to do that, but there again, you know there's a point to this, okay we're gonna look at stories. About God's nature this morning and I want to illustrate something here see I could tell you that um, one of the reasons I'm married to one to the most amazing person in the world is because she loves to celebrate it's just inner nature she likes to celebrate people now I could just tell you that and you could go okay she loves to celebrate okay but if I tell you a story, see, I'm going to share something just next, and you're going to see how you're going to get to see part of her glory, actually see it. So when I first um, met her, we were working together on this assignment thing, and um, she, we were getting to be friends, just friends, right? Just friends. So we were, <laughs> we never dated until after we were married, according to her. Um, so we were friends and um she comes and she says and we were also friends with our our boss and she comes and she says i'm gonna throw a birthday party for brian our boss and i said oh is it his birthday and she said i have no idea and she said i said i'm gonna throw a birthday party for him and i'm trying to catch i'm like okay it turned out to be a fabulous party, and we had just totally honored him. Everybody had fun, and nobody had any idea when his birthday was. See, I've told you that story. Now that's her glory. That's how um, Jonah turned nine on Friday, and so we just got finished with a forty-eight-hour continuous, non-stop birthday celebration. <laughs> that's Sandra. Okay, so you see how I tell you these stories, and you see into her nature, you see what God put in her. Isn't she awesome? (laughs) Okay, Um, so we're, you know, we're going to do that a little bit with a story. We've been teaching on glory, we've been learning about God's glory, and how His plan is that we are the carriers of His glory. That's how he's glorified in this place. And we're going to look at a story that I can we can say that but we're going to look at an encounter that shows us how his plan comes about to make us his glory and we're going to see the nature of God in it okay. So you understand we've already talked about I have to put this out there. we've already talked about that God, manifest his glory, see, in contrast to what is in this place, right? That's what's glorifying. So in other words, he, he manifests opposite of this place. And we look and say, oh, I see the glory of God. So lately we've been going through, I'm going to show you this. Lately we've been going through Moses' story. So start with me at Exodus 33. And verse 15, you're going to recognize this quote. I've been saying it for like three weeks now because God won't release me on it. And this is this is Moses talking about, he's having this conversation with God saying, God, we're, I'm, I'm out if your presence, if your glory isn't in this, I'm not in it either. I don't want anything to do with this calling if your glory's not in it. And he goes, and here he says, then he said to him, this is Moses talking to God, if your presence does not go with us, Do not bring us up from here. And he says, For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us? We're literally going to look at that that one sentence. For how then will it be known? In other words, how will you be glorified if your presence doesn't go with us? We're going to look at that all morning, that one sentence. Okay? Okay, go with me to Acts 9. Here's our story. This is going to be our story this morning. You know this story. This is the story of Paul's calling. His, um, We often call it his conversion on the road, and I, I suppose it is. Um, we're going to see that he's already in the faith. I mean, he's already a Pharisee. Um, he's of the faith, just doesn't have his faith in Jesus. So I suppose conversion, maybe that's appropriate. Do you know this story? This is Saul's encounter with glory, right? So let's answer this before we go any further because we've been doing this for weeks. I know you have this now. How are we transformed? I've heard the right answer like nine different versions. That's beautiful. That's every one of those was right. We are transformed when we see the glory of God. When we look unto his glory, we have encounter with the actual presence of God. That's what's transforming. His, we see him as in a mirror, his glory comes upon us. We become carriers of his glory in this dark place. That a boy. <laughs> I love that encouragement. Okay, we're going to look at Saul's encounter with the glory of God and see what it tells us. So, starting in verse 1, chapter 9. Then Saul, still, listen, listen to Saul. This is our Saul, okay? Still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether that's disciples of Jesus, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So I'm just going to ask you, before we even read any further, is Paul fitted for any high calling whatsoever for the glory of Jesus Christ at this moment? I mean, does he, does he have talents? Does he have knowledge? Abilities, tremendous abilities. He's, the, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees, he says somewhere else. But not ready for a calling of the glory of Jesus Christ at all, okay? Verse 3, it says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, now here he's going to have his name called, We've been saying that every week. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Okay, God calls his name. He addresses him as a person. He knows him. He knows exactly how hideous he's working out his faith in his own strength. It's not a mystery to God at all. And here's Saul's response. Now, it's really critical. Notice Saul's response. Paul's been killing Christians people of the way and Saul Saul says who are you lord you see it's so telling i want to tell you something really don't miss this he's really asking you see that's why he's killing christians he doesn't know him this this the light <laughs> The glory of God comes, the presence of the true God, his actual presence, not something, not some Pharisee understanding of the book or something else. The actual presence of God comes. And, and Saul's response is, Who are you, Lord? You see, that's the only way you come against the glory of God like Paul's doing it. You have to remember, Paul is of the faith, he's a Jew, he's a Jew's Jew. This isn't some other false religion. He's just not in touch with the current covenant. (laughs) Okay? He's just being lawful instead of in the covenant of grace. That's all. But he doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't know that transforming presence. He says, who are you, Lord? Okay. Then the Lord says, he identifies himself. He says, I am. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Now look, we read these stories and it's really easy to leave it like as a story in the past or something and not realize that God is actually telling us something about His nature, about how we relate to Him, no matter where you're reading in the Word. okay? So let me make this really real. You do understand that we still do this. We still kick Against the goads. How do we do that? What are we? How's Saul at this point in this story doing it? He's wielding the law outside of, out of touch, outside of the current covenant. That's it. He's actually doing a great job of it. He's zealous for God. He's zealous for the law. He's wielding it outside of the covenant of grace that's how he kicks against the goads he doesn't know the presence so he wields the law over people okay do we still do that church <laughs> far too often far too much far too poisonously toxically we wield the law without without being in touch with the current covenant the love the shed blood over you, okay? In verse 6, it goes on, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay, now I know he didn't pray the prayer of salvation exactly like you're supposed to do it <laughs> in America, anyway. Um, but there's a conversion. He Now he calls him Lord. And this time with a knowing of who he is, he says, what do you want me to do? So it's not just a word. He's actually putting himself in submission. Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, presence. um, We might think that what Paul needed was an eight-week theological course helping him understand how he was in the wrong covenant. (laughs) But the presence of God was just the glory of God. An encounter with the person of God transformed Paul. Bam! Just like that. Lord, what do you want me to do? Are the next words out of his mouth. No Bible college. or I'm not ripping on Bible college. Go to Bible college. It's wonderful. But I'm just saying the presence of God is what's transformational. Like we've been talking about for weeks. Now look, Listen to what the Lord says, and I want to tell you what the Lord says next is what the Lord says all the time. He says this to you today. He's he's going to say this to you tomorrow. He says, arise and go. It's ridiculous how many times you read those words in the stories in the Scripture. Arise and go. What? What? Arise. We've been talking about from glory to glory, right? Right? He's saying, Paul, rise up to the, Saul, rise up to the next glory and go. Okay, right? He says that to you. Raise your hand if these others said that to you. A couple of people are called. That's awesome. I don't mean to to be snarky about that. I know that his voice comes in many fashions. His love, it's really in his presence that you hear those words. I get it. It's the most Intimate thing in the world, and I know that you all know that when he says arise and go, when that comes to you. Okay, that's what's happening here. So he says, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. If you think about those words, now I'm gonna tell you something. He's right now, he's at a juncture, he's encountered the Lord's glory, he's made the Lord his Lord, but um. <laughs> What the Lord just told him is, you will be told what you must do. It makes me think of scriptures where it says, don't be like the mule, where you have to be bridled and, and forced. At this point in Paul's story, um, he has to be told what to do. Go into the city. What's the Lord doing? He's, he's sending Paul to people who are already very acquainted with the glory, with the presence of Jesus Christ. He's sending them to these people so that he can be told what to do from those who know the Lord in ways that Paul does not yet know the Lord. Right? You recognize that's, that's a today picture. I know we're reading. It's exactly how it works now. God is, Do you know God is planning to send you people? Um, send you <laughs> other people who need the glory of God on their behalf to, in a sense, tell them what to do. He's got those people planned for you. That's what you're reading. here. He has to be told what to do by people who are in the grace of Christ. He's steeped in the law. Okay, go to verse 7. This is all leading somewhere. This is just the introduction. Okay. In verse 7, it says, And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. Did I read that wrong, didn't I? No, I, that's right. So in other words, he rises up blind. Now listen, before I even go on, do you understand? Has it ever struck you as peculiar that Jesus would would blind him? I mean, it almost sounds like a bad thing, right? I want to tell you something. Jesus our king only does things that manifest outwardly what's already the truth inwardly okay you understand paul is paul already is blind inwardly that's how you do the atrocities he was doing he is blind he's a blind person the glory of god reveals reveals what is already true inwardly do you know this That's all that happened there. He's blinded by the Lord to reveal what's already true inwardly. And it says, but they led him by the hand, they led him by the hand, and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Okay, so just notice we've talked about this before. He starts his ministry with fasting. In this case, it's kind of like, like it or not. I don't know, maybe let that be a word to instruction to you. Your life might want to have elements of fasting in it, or the Lord will be faithful to bring it. He will. God always starts with an inward work and then manifests it outwardly. Okay? We're going to see that. Hold that. That's going to become really critical as we go forward. Now, before we, we're going to go on in the story, but before we do, I want to talk about something for just a minute that we've already seen but may not quite recognize it. Why does the Lord choose Paul for this calling? Why Paul? Can you imagine? Do you think anybody else would have chosen Paul for what he's about to do in his life? Would fleshly eyes ever choose Paul, Saul? Why does God do it? It's everything we've been talking about for weeks, and I I need you to get this because it really is transformational if you let this speak over your life. He chooses Paul because Paul is opposite. (laughs) Okay? God is going to be glorified. Okay, there are lots of people that where their lives would have looked more like the calling or the promotion that God is would have asked them up into Paul's calling here. That's that's getting ready to start. Fleshly eyes could could have chosen a hundred better choices according to the flesh, but God, Jesus chooses the opposite. He chooses Saul. Why? Because it's in contrast that he's going to be glorified. Or else how, Lord, see, if you don't go with us, if your glory is not what's in it, if your glory is not what's seen, then how else are people going to look and say that, my, that your people and I have found grace in your sight and it is your glory that's doing this? paul is is the manifestation of god 's glory here he 's not someone that's going that 's going to have this transformation on his own Does that make sense now let that speak over it's going to get i promise it's going to get more and more powerful as we move forward but let that speak over your life um, Is anybody in the room being called into something right now where you 're thinking oh my gosh i 'm like the opposite of um i'm so unqualified for that is it okay if I pick on you? I <laughs> started conversations with Carol uh, six months ago or something, like longer, it's probably something like that. And uh, her instant was like, she's telling me, I'm not a leader. I'm like, perfect. No wonder the Lord's calling you to lead this. The glory is going to be manifest in that, right? saying, I'm not qualified. I'm like, awesome. I knew God was showing me that in prayer. <laughs> You're perfect for this. You see, because it's not about it's not about our abilities. It's about Him being glorified. <laughs> He's going to be glorified in this ministry. I'm absolutely confident that this is going to be the most glorious thing. I can't wait to see how many lives this blesses. Because she says, I'm not qualified. It's okay. Jesus is. You see, it's it's always opposite. You see, the person who's healed of much wounded, broken mess, and 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 Jesus heals. I'm gonna tell you something. That's that's a calling to healing ministry. I see it all the time. They you see, how are we transformed? We see the glory of God. That glory comes on us as in a mirror. We see the glory of God, and we're transformed into the same image. And now freely freely you have received, freely you give. One who's healed becomes a healer. The most foolish person becomes the carrier of the wisdom of God. The most religious, lawful person like Paul becomes the greatest force in all of God using men, us little men, to, to carry the grace of life. He was the most lawful person you're going to read about and he becomes the carrier of the grace of Jesus Christ to this world. He writes half the Bible. He he manifests opposite. Our fleshly eyes would pick the wrong person every time. Okay, we're we're going to return to that. Let's go back into the story just a little bit. Uh, In verse 10, it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. Called his name. Did you hear that? And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go. Sound familiar? Right? I got another glory for you, Ananias. Arise and go. Go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. So Judas is praying. Judas is an, an intercessor, I think. For he's praying, and in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias, in other words, I've given him a vision too that he sees you coming in to put his hand on him so that he might receive sight okay now listen to this i really we're going to return to some of that, but I want you to really focus on ananias's answer here, okay Ananias is a friend of God, he's having a conversation. Do you see that and Ananias answers the Lord and says. I have heard from many about this man. So he's heard about Saul. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So Ananias sees Saul in the natural, right? He's being kind of uh Contrary to God, right? He's going, so the Lord's saying, go and heal this guy, because I got plans for him. And Ananias says, do you you know who he is? Have you heard about him? Right? According to the way we look, like we were doing this morning, we put up qualifications, right? God says, I'm going to promote this man. And we look at the list of qualifications and get out our measuring tape and start going, hmm. I don't know. In other words, look, I, I want us to see this clearly. Ananias says, do you know who Saul is? Is basically what he's saying. And first of all, God says, who? Because God's thinking Paul. Okay, so it start. Look, I'm just saying the conversation has got to be something like that. Do you know who do you know who Saul is? Who? I don't know Saul. I know Paul, okay? And Ananias says, do you know what he does? And he says, I'm confused. I don't know what we're talking about. See, that the blood is already covering Saul. God has already declared things about Saul. He can't even figure out what this conversation with Ananias is about. Ananias sees things. You know, I can just picture this scene where God is sitting in the God is sitting there at his throne talking with Ananias. And and Ananias says, do you know these atrocities that he's doing? So Jesus says, bring me all the scrolls, everything that's recorded on Paul. And he spreads them out and he says, um, he looks at them and he says, "Um, I don't see what you're talking about, Ananias. I don't have anything like that in my recordings here. I've got a couple of scrolls that are completely splattered with blood. I can't read the I can't read the words on them anymore. But you see, Jesus is Jesus can't even track with Ananias' conversation. Do you know what he does? I have no idea. I don't have any recording like that on Paul. There's nothing like that recorded here. What are you talking about? Jesus has it covered. See, but Ananias is all too quick to go. He's he's resisting the call. God wants him to participate in the glory. He's saying, go heal this guy. I've got something wonderful for you to do. And Ananias is like, do you know this guy? And Jesus says, how do you know what I've declared over Paul? How do you know what's already true because I've declared it? Are you questioning my calling on him? You see, I'm going to tell you something. When we, when we pull out the tape measure to look at other people, um, this is using the word without truth. Okay? In other words, you're in the wrong covenant. You missed the age that you're in. Like Saul was doing. Saul was slaughtering people because they didn't fit the measuring tape. It's using the word in a way that is outside of his way right now. It's outside of grace. It just doesn't even work that way anymore. We we do it all the time. You know, and, and here's the real part. I want you to hear this before we move on. You understand that when when you do that, I'm look, I'm with you. I, I know that I I do it all the time. I catch myself. I do it. I catch myself and I'm like, oh, I just, I just noticed I did that again. I'm sorry, Lord. I just started to like measure a person like as if I know what you've declared is already the truth about them. I've already passed a judgment or something. Okay. I do it. But I'm gonna tell you something. When you do it, it brings a curse on your own head. Do you know how I know? Jesus said it. Look at uh, Mark 4.21, just briefly with me. We'll start there. He says, Also he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now listen what he says next. In 24, he says, Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. Listen to those words. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him.'" Whenever I see somebody being hard on themselves, not accepting the grace of Christ for myself, I almost want to go put something out on the bulletin board warning everybody else. We've got somebody measuring themselves. We've got somebody with a measuring tape going who doesn't know that their scroll is completely spilled over with blood and God doesn't have that account anymore. They're being hard on themselves. I want to warn everybody because it means they're going to come out. You see, it goes both ways. With the measure you use for yourself, you're automatically, you're not even going to be able to help it. You're going to use it on other people. And the measure you use on other people, you're not even going to be able to help it. You're going to use that measure on yourself. Which is all Old Testament. All of that has nothing to do with the grace, the expensive grace of Jesus Christ over your life. When we measure people up to the to the vision of what we think it should look like to be worthy of the high calling, we will land in foolishness every time, because our eyes will not our fleshly eyes will not be able to tell us what God has spoken about someone's calling. It'll never work. It never does. You won't read a single story in here where the person's life looked like what he was calling them into. Last week we talked about Jacob. Right? He went from supplanter, the one who has to do everything in your own st- flesh, your own strength, work for everything you've been given. By the sweat of your brow, you've got to get ahead. You have to cheat or do anything that's required. Supplanter. And God says, I, he has an encounter, transforming encounter with the glory of God. And God says, you're Israel. Here, Saul has this encounter and he says, you're not Saul, you're Paul you Do you understand, okay, this is so good. I'm thinking, do you understand his name is after King Saul, right it's in other words, it's literally the same story, and he would be brutally aware of this. He's a jew's Jew, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He would know that he is named after kings you know that his name is king saul that that and who was King Saul? King Saul was the epitome of the one who tried to do everything in his own strength, who, in order to stay glorified, tried to keep others down. Okay? And what does he transform him into? He transforms him into the one who who gives the grace of Christ into people's lives so that they're transformed, transfigured into their high callings in Jesus Christ. He ever goes around promoting everyone he ever encounters for the rest of his life. He never goes back to being one that wants to wield the law in a religious lawfulness over people's heads. He never goes back to that. He becomes the greatest purveyor of promotional grace, the glory of God over other people's lives for the rest of his life. You know, the um, Oh, this is so good. Okay. <laughs> so you understand the, the Bible makes a great contrast between Saul and David, right? The two kings. Okay? Saul, who does everything in his own strength, he's not a promoter of people. He's a promoter of self. And David, David, who only ever cries out that, Lord, I've got, I've got nothing to offer you. By your mercy, by your grace only. I bring myself in transparency. He only ever cries, do the inner work so that when the day of my promotion comes, my inner is ready to match the outward call that you have on my life. He's the opposite of Saul. You know how you know if you're a David or a a Saul or a picker of David's or Saul's? The litmus test would be if you're, judging, if you're judging someone up against some sort of standard. You see, let me tell you this. The grace of God only ever manifests to promote people into the glory God has intended over their lives. It only ever manifests to make us into the carriers, the royalty, the carriers of his glory, the royalty. His presence, His glorious presence, encounters with God only ever manifest to make us into the perfect bride that He's making. It never, ever manifests. No wisdom, no spiritual gift, no glory of God, no presence of God will ever manifest to hold a person down. Ever. Ever. And when we go about picking people, looking for some, some picture that we think, rather than what's spoken about them from the mouth of our king, a picture that we think they're supposed to look like, it's in the spirit of Saul. Every time, it will be. It will, lead, it will leave us in a foolishness that only quenches the spirit of God when we do that. You know that's true. How many know that's true? You know that's true in your life? Who in here has been promoted beyond something you were ever capable of or worthy of or righteous enough without the the blood of Christ spilled all over you to have what God wanted to give you? You see, that's what God does. He manifests opposite. Or else, how else will we know that your people and I have found grace in your sight unless it is your presence, unless it is your glory that turns us into the opposite of what we used to be when we were separated from you, outside your grace, outside your glory. He manifests opposite. Why? Because He's going to be glorified. It's not about us proving we were good enough or we matched some standard. It's about him being glorified. Every story, everything he does is about him being glorified. I'm going to give you one more secret and we'll go. It's not really a secret, it's published in the Bible. But and (laughs) and then we'll go on in the story. He does not transform you for the call that he has over your life. He transforms you in the call. Do you know that's true? It's walking, we've talked about this before actually, but it's walking in faith, in your call, that you encounter the presence of God and he transforms from glory to glory to glory. He doesn't make you totally fitted. You see, even in this story, Paul's not totally fitted for this calling. He's obviously transformed by the presence. He obviously moves from someone who slaughters Christians to someone that says, Lord, what do you want me to do? (laughs) Okay, that's transformation. But he's also one where when the Lord tells him what to do, he says, arise and go into the city, and there's going to be some people who know me better than you, and they're going to tell you what to do. (laughs) Okay? So it's glory to glory. He doesn't make you all fitted and qualified and and matching every standard and list right from the beginning. He does not perfect you for your call in order for you to start out walking in your call. You will never see a story like that. You're transformed from glory to glory in your call as you walk the call with. Amen. Okay, I'm not gonna get to all of this, so let me see. <laughs> I'm some Sunday I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go I have a dream. I'm gonna go all the way from start to finish. <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna do one more thing. Where's the bigger glory? Where is the big? Where is the glory story in the story of God's glory? Is it Paul? Really? I mean, there obviously it is. There's a glory story there. Where's the biggest glory story you see in what we're reading? Is it not Ananias? Let me tell you something, you know that it is far easier for God to bring about transformation in a guy who is slaughtering Christians, who is that contrary to God, than to take a man like Ananias, one who already talks with him, is already well in friendship with God, who who um i'm sure that he serves in the church he's he's known the glory of god he's i get the sense from the story he's already participated he has the gift of healing he's already a healer in god's kingdom and and how difficult is it to get a man like ananias to realize that he's actually still wielding the law like he's in the wrong covenant who has a response to god like that where he says do you know who this guy is? Do you know what he does? Right? You want me to go heal him? How difficult is it to transform? The real glory story is Ananias. I mean, if you can get a well-seasoned serving, someone who really knows the Lord, a mature Christian, to, be, to continue to grow from glory to glory to glory, that is the glory of God. Do you realize that? That's the glory of God. We must never get to the point that we think, well, I'm getting pretty mature now. (laughs) It just means it's getting more difficult for God to bust in to get you to the next glory because He's got glories planned for you. Your glory. He's got glories planned for you to blow your mind. You haven't seen anything yet for what God's got planned over your life. You haven't seen anything. (laughs) I have time for one more blessing. We better do the Lord's table. Every week I want to ask you, how long do you guys want to (laughs) stay? For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except it is your presence that goes with us in this thing? except that your glory manifests in such a way that it's ridiculously opposite. You see how inefficient that is? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to do one more thing. You see how inefficient that is? The Lord really needs um, some training in organizational efficiency. He was right there on the road with Him. <laughs> right? He blinds Him and then what? He sends Him to the city so... A guy can have a vision and another guy can have a vision that the other guy had the vision and so that he can go over and then he knows that he's supposed to go heal. Do I have this story right? You were right there on the road with him. Why didn't you just tell him what your plans were? (laughs) Why didn't you just heal him? Say again. He wants everybody involved. You see, he loves Ananias. He loves Judas. And he loves all the people that Ananias is going to go tell this glorious testimony to. And he loves all the people that Judas, is that the one I didn't say, is going to go tell all this glorious testimony to. His glory. You see, he's not about efficiency. He's about the manifestation of his glory. (laughs) He's about making us all together until we all reach the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. Together. Did you notice that this says, where is it? For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? It doesn't say except, Moses doesn't say except you go with me. He's going to speak in the body. I'm telling you, if God's giving you visions, if He's asking you to step out and pray for somebody who needs it, if he's, if he's given you things that you're supposed to be doing and you're not going to do it, I'm just going to do a little spank in here. I don't want this to turn all negative, but you're stealing from us. We need you to be obedient. We need you to go. Did He give you a little prompt and you're kind of like, mm, I don't know, just go, go, arise and go because we're waiting for you. <laughs> We need that healing that he gave you to bring to us. Amen? Do you believe that or am I up here? Do you believe that? Okay.